0: Hey, buddy, praise God, what a weekend, right? Oh, my goodness, I am still, like, trying to process everything that happened, and God, where we go from here, it's been pretty amazing. We've been still getting some of the testimonies of things that happened, things we were not aware of, and just a wonderful tonight. If um, We're going to finish up the last uh, section of the teaching points on the core values of a Spirit-led church, so that's this one here. But then I'm going to dive into uh, what I call one of the toolboxes of Breaking Free. And uh, I I really normally would take uh, several hours when I do a conference on Breaking Free to do this portion of it. So we're going to fly. Amen? You guys good? Buckled up? Ready to go? All right. Well, Lord, we ask you to help us. And those joining by live stream, welcome tonight as we're going to look at uh, the saints at war. And then we're going to look at how we apply the weapons of that warfare. And uh, just kind of as a show of hands, how many have ever been involved directly in a deliverance of a person? Okay, about half of you. All right. um, How many of you, I don't really want to bother with any of that stuff. Okay, praise God. You you know the Scriptures. (laughs) He, He tells us, in fact, in Mark 16, there'll be a sign, right, that follows those that believe. So, I want to set some uh, biblical balance of what we 've been doing we 've If you look at your handout from the several weeks, kind of that first page, we went through what is the first of all what do we believe, which is real important it 's important to understand what you believe foundationally from that comes your authority and actually all the mandates from scripture. Um, we went through what does it mean to be part of the church family and I thought this weekend emulated that just powerfully. It was all about family. What's our particular vision and mission? Um, What is the biblical basis of both giving? What about uh, some of the promises of blessing, core values of the declarations of that? Uh, The biblical basis of marriage? And then what is our mission to the world for state and city? And I think that became even more clear from this weekend. And we kind of had passed over, and I think now I know why. We went past the saints at war, the biblical basis of that. So if you want to turn to page 14 in the handout that you've had. And then, side by side, you want to have a copy of the new handout tonight on Breaking Free. And so, I want to quickly cover on page um, 14. If we understand who the enemy is and then what is the toolbox for that, if you've, let, let's make a premise. We spent an hour and a half last week, almost an hour last week, on what would happen if the Holy Spirit fell in our body of believers and the Holy Spirit really started to move. And let's just say that, just kind of dream with me for a moment. Let's say that the prophetic words that were shared over the weekend about this place, that, um, Some blind eyes got healed, deaf ears opened. People had cancer that no longer have cancer, so they start telling people, and it goes on Facebook. That's one of the things about social media these days. You could have several hundred people lined up here, and guess who the ministry team is? Hello, it's you all. So therefore, you need to be comfortable with, how do I lead someone to Christ? How do I then deal with baptism in the Holy Spirit? A couple sat right over here, the lady in the wheelchair, uh, was on Friday Saturday night. She sat here. She says we drove five hours because we we want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? It was awesome, and it was such a precious moment. And uh, little David became my prayer partner. How old is David? Six. So we were like over here, and I was just drawn. Someone had come and said, Pastor, this lady in the wheelchair. You got to pray for. her, And I had already the Holy Spirit already targeted her at the end of the night. So I went over. There. It turns out she was in a car accident. 19 years ago, broke her neck, and she's crippled and atrophied. And anyway, in the midst of all of that, just being able to, she starts crying, I start crying, her husband starts crying. I gave him a primer on how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was just, it was really, really precious. And to have little David with me praying for her, I I gave him the words, and he prayed them. And it was awesome. And what's the point? We have to be fully equipped and ready to do this thing, because if he really answers our prayer, you're it. He's like, I'm it. Can I Quick, Mom. Yes. Yay. Yay. See, God, God had targeted It was just really precious. So, all right. So, here's the point. We need to know who we are, what we are capable of, but then you got to have the tools in the box. So let's just say that somebody shows up at the church, they've come here, they come off the street, they're broken, and they said, I want prayer. And as soon as you start praying for them, they hit the ground, eyeballs roll back in the head, foaming at the mouth, banging their head against the floor, and scratching themselves. What are you going to do? Well, it's like, oh, this isn't supposed to be like that. Well... Welcome to Deliverance Ministry, it happens, uh, we've seen it in spades in a lot of the countries that, and this nation is on its road to being one of those dark areas, it's just growing more and more so. And so tonight is the Saints at War, so I want to quickly set the basis, um, who are we, who is the enemy, and then how do we handle this? At the end of this thing, I'm going to run through breaking free that many of you, how many have been overseas with us and done prayer ministry? Only five. Okay. How many have been breaking free here in the United States? A few more. Okay. Praise God. How many of you have ever seen a manifestation in the midst of doing ministry? Okay. Praise God. All right. Not that we're, um, we certainly don't look for it, but when the snake shows up, you got to be ready to crush his head. And so, all right. Are you there? Page 14. The saints at war. First of all, there is a war and there is an enemy. And knowing who it is really is helpful, right? So turn to page 15. I'm going to quickly establish biblically where we are and then I want to get into how we do it. Revelation 12 makes it really clear that the enemy is Satan. We know that from different scriptures. But it's the, the good news in Revelation 12 is there was a war in heaven and the, the, God won the war in heaven. The problem is He threw him down here. And so a third of, most theologians believe a third of the demonic realm, or the angels that were originally created, are here now on earth, right? Some are locked up in dark prisons, but we know that Satan is here, and we know that from that, we've been given power and authority by the blood over the enemy, and our word of our testimony is how we overcome. So by the blood of the Lamb, and the word that we testify is a form of our weaponry, identity. It's really our identity. We are blood bought believers who have a testimony of Jesus Christ. That's identity. So that gives us authority from Revelation 12. We know that the blood answers every accusation the enemy's got against us. We know that it says there was war. Now in the earth against the church, which describes the offspring of the woman, which is the offspring, we are the church, and we are the offspring. We know that in the last verse of that scripture, it says, The offspring of the church, the people of God, are those who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Christ. That's the one that the devil has declared war on. So if you're here tonight, you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have a testimony, and you are keeping the commandments. You are in the scope of the enemy. He wants you. Right? That's, that's what Jesus told us from Revelation 12 through John the Revelator. So we know who the enemy is. We know what his plan is. We know who the targets are. We also know... From 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, he's a great enemy. Be there. B1 says, 1 Peter, he says, he's a great enemy, therefore watch out. Daniel tells us in chapter 7, he is about to make, he makes war with the saints. In the last days, due to Daniel's prophecy, he says, he will make war against the saints to wear them out. We know that from our Revelation study, right? Isaiah goes on and says, well, who is he? Well, Lucifer and the whole, uh, actually, I think it was Jack, one of them alluded to that this weekend, Isaiah 14 Lucifer is, is fallen from heaven. Now, there are two enemies. One is Satan. I just made that clear. Who's the other one? The flesh, right? So we know from our sinful nature, our sinful nature, we know when we are inspired or actually temptation, we, we shared this before in Scripture that what it says, when you're tempted, don't say the Lord tempted me. It's by your sinful nature, Right? So how do you deal with the two enemies, your sinful flesh and the devil? Different, different war, different battle, different weapon for that. How would you do it? Blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus? That'll deal with the devil. I apply the blood. Let me example. When I go bear hunting, I don't bring a 22 and I don't bring birdshot. I hunt with a 50, 45 70 or a 12-gauge slug shotgun. Why? Because that's the enemy. Well, it's, it's the game I'm after, right? It's the one I'm going to bag. You put the wrong bullet up against that, you're going to get yourself really hurt. So when you are casting out demons, you don't counsel them. You cast them out. You confront them. You have the authority. You demand that they must go. Now with your flesh, guess what? You can't cast out your flesh, right? You can't. So if you've got an issue going on inside you with temptation and stuff, you need to deal with the Holy Spirit on the inside work out what I'm being tempted with in my ungodly desires, and don't well, I'm going to cast out that flesh? I don't get that. No. So recognizing who the enemy is and what I'm dealing with in the midst of the process is what kind of weapon would I then reach for in order to uh, take care of this problem? So we question: the flesh can be influenced by demonic spirits, right? And we've so often said, what is the spirit that is behind what is trying to inspire me to do something that's not right? Example, um, if, you're gonna, if you're being, you're just like your old flesh wants to go watch one of these slasher movies. Well, that's a spirit of fear. Your, your flesh wants to be entertained by a spirit of fear. So you could bind the spirit of fear. I'm not, I'm not being entertained by that. I'm not feeding my flesh. Um, anger. I want to go do violence to somebody who's wronged me. Well, that could be inspired. Your flesh can be tagged along with. So, my point is though, recognize what's the source of what I'm being battling against now. Is it a demonic presence or is it something inspired in my flesh that needs the Holy Spirit to come? And I apply the blood of Jesus. Lord, I need the blood of Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit to come and inspire me so that I don't walk in this place. Okay? All right. Um, I, I feel like you have to crucify this flesh. When, when, when I was coming along old school, they taught us to fast and pray. And not only that, we, things were, people don't do it no more. Openly re- re- rebuke. It will cause others to fear. And things that, w- that are seen now, I mean, we, we allow more, but we, su- we should crucify our flesh and we should, I mean, if your, your temptation is this, don't be found there. But when you're home, turn your plate down. Get in your word. Yeah, you, you, you plead the blood and you do all those things, but I think there's some physical things we have to do. Yeah, that's good. The, um, take up your cross daily and follow me. Nail yes. the passions to the cross. So that is part of that crucif- crucifying of the flesh. All right, let's move on. Let's, if you look at um, the bottom there, B2, it says, Sinful flesh is an enemy that is different than the demonic oppression. Sinful flesh can partner with demonic oppression to wage war against the believer and the church. Turn to page 16. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual... We know that these scriptures here, the blood and righteousness are, are weapons of offense, right? So we know from 2 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds, taking every thought captive. So, and this is what Renee's saying, number four there is nail the flesh to the cross daily. You're going to have to get up on the cross tomorrow morning, take up your cross today and follow hard after Him. I'm making a distinction here because sometimes we get mixed up. There can be demonically inspired flesh activities. If you've partnered, let's take a case where um, someone's been walking in sinful practices, immorality, that can be inspired by a spirit of lust, seduction, pornography, um, so now your flesh has been captured by the Spirit, and you're dealing actually with two enemies at that moment. You've got to deal with both sides of that. So knowing which is your enemy is an important aspect of where we are at this point. What is the purpose of the war that we're in? It really is about family, allegiance, and love. We're warring for a family of God. So when someone who's under the influence of darkness, under captivity in their flesh... What are we trying to do? We're actually trying to help a family member find their freedom so they can align themselves with Christ and the love of God operates in them, no longer captive. So this whole war is about war, is really is a war against the things that hinder love. And so, um, for God so loved the world. (laughs) There it is. Total allegiance, John 14. I read this the other night. Um, I won't read it now. I also read it Sunday morning that he says, who are the true disciples and count the cost? You're going to have to love God with all that you are more than mother, father, brother, sister, and even love more than your life. So this is who is worthy to be my disciple. So this is that whole allegiance of, no, I'm a devoted disciple. See, there's a lot of um, come-along Christians, they like the blessings. There's something different about a devoted disciple. And there's a big distinction in the Scriptures, and this is one where, I mean, Jesus... He just lays that right out there. That'll cut right to the chase. You take a look at, John, at Luke 14 about what is a true disciple and what it looks like. Loving him with all that you are. The, John 14 also speaks of um, his love manifested. I will manifest my love to them. All right, let's, uh, let's jump down. I want to get going on this one. On number two, what's your mandate, what's the commission, and what's the provision? So they are different. As a believer, as let's make an assumption we're all devoted disciples here, willing to give your life for Christ. Um, I'll tell you a story that happened during the Korean War. It was during the parallels, uh, witness of this, the communists came across the 17th parallel. They stormed into a Christian church. They had a number of believers. I think the number was somewhere around 100 believers in this Christian church, so the 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 North, uh, the North Koreans came across and they said, Look, we're going to show you that you are not really as devoted as you think. So they, with submachine guns, AKs, I don't know what they had in those days, probably not quite AKs, but what they decided to do is they lined up all the believers and they said, Now we'll start with you, Pastor. You have the next few seconds to renounce Christ or you're dead. The pastor renounced Christ. Then they said, okay, bring me the elders. They put the next senior elders, and they lined them up. They all renounced Christ. They got to, it was a 12-year-old girl, and they got to her, and they said, okay, now we'll deal with all the rest of the body of believers here. We'll show you. You wouldn't even make a good communist. You can't even be a good Christian. And they started with the 12-year-old girl, and they put the gun to her head, and she got down on her knees, and she said, I'll never renounce my Jesus. And at that point, the rest of the body didn't either. They took the pastor and the elders out and shot them through the head, and they let the rest go. If you look at the battle of, are you willing, are you a willing vessel at that point, it's the Rachel Scott at Columbine on that morning. I'll never renounce my Christ. we got to get to a place where that's who we are in Christ. you really got to work it through. you got to decide in that moment, what would I do? And... Pastor Terry, we've always said, like, man, we, we, we want to be brave on that moment. Well, once you understand you've come into that place, well, then you have three aspects of this war as one of the soldiers. Paul tells Timothy, war, I want you to war on as a good soldier of Christ. What's your mandate? Your mandate is all authority. That's A there, C-A. All authority has been given. Now Go. So you've been mandated to go. Go out to your neighborhood, go out to the streets, go to your workplace, go. Just go. That's your mandate. The commission is go and preach. What's the specifics of the Great Commission? Go preach, cast out demons, heal the sick, speak with new tongues. I believe revival would break out. If if we really did that, not just talk about it, but we really cast out demons Lay hands on the sick. Every opportunity we have, God's going to break in. And guess what? When, you, when he breaks in, that will draw people. It won't take very long where what Jack was sharing. I, I, I love what he shared on Saturday night, right? Was it Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night. I think it was Saturday Yeah, where he has 100 people in his church, a small Baptist church. He's a Baptist guy. Gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, but he's kind of like being quiet about it because that's not really healthy for your career in the Baptist church at that time. And I I was a Baptist back way in the day. And when the Lord shows up and (laughs) the strippers start getting saved, right? Dante's Inferno, the strip house closes down, and they're putting poster signs up. we, We need to sell the business. We can't do that. We all got saved. When that starts happening, the Word starts spreading and I'm telling you, it, this could change in, oh, almost overnight. And so knowing our mandate is important and knowing our commission. You have been commissioned. When I took my commission in the, in the armed forces, I had to raise my hand and vow my life for protection of this and the Constitution, enemies both foreign and domestic. That's your commission. You've already, you're in. So whether you know it or not, you've already signed on the line, Right? So your great commission is now go and preach the good news, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Do it. Do it. I've given you authority. Do it. It's like Jesus, and the, one, the, the couple of times He really got angry, really angry up with the disciples is when they didn't. This, you can read this one. We won't turn there, but the, ex, the example in Mark 9, when He's already given them power and authority over demons and sickness, and the Father brings the, nine, the, the boy in chapter 9 of Mark, And the disciples can't cast out the demon. Do you remember Jesus' response? You faithless and perverse generation bring the boy to me. I don't ever want to hear him say that to me, ever. So, the Great Commission. And then the last part of that is the provision. He says, I've given you all power and I've given you all authority. Now go. And I've just listed them there. Luke 9 says, I've given you power and authority over demons and sickness. So therefore, you have power over demons and sickness. So how many uh, sick people did we pray for today? Okay. The kingdom has come, right? Luke 10, authority trample on the enemy, Luke 10. He told us that. I've given you power and authority over the enemy. And so, all right, page 17, quickly, the biblical basis for deliverance. This is pretty, I think, straightforward. Deliverance is, what is it? It's setting a person free from oppression. Demons are evil spirits without bodies under Satan's authority. They've come to harass people. When given the opportunity, demonic spirit torments and manipulates the host person. Believers are oppressed, not possessed. Possession implies ownership. Believers belong to Christ. So this is that place. But then the question always is, well, can a believer be oppressed? Can the believer be tormented? You ever dealt with any anxiety, fears, and torments? Amen. Okay. Well, so we can be in our soulish realm. So demons must be commanded to be forced out. The oppression must be canceled. The human body, soul, and spirit set free. So when a person becomes a believer, the spirit belongs to Christ, but they can still have their soul and their body affected by the oppression. The example there in Matthew 12 is probably a really great example. F there, he says, um, Matthew 12, Jesus delivers a blind mute who's been afflicted. The word says afflicted. King James says possessed with the devil. And turn to page 18, it says, when the demon was cast out, Jesus then says, what just happened? Well, the kingdom of God has come. So we know we are now looking for when a person is set free or is in the process of being prayed for to be set free, it's really helpful if you know what the leading spirit is. They call him the strong man. If you can find out who the strong man is that's leading the oppression, you can then pillage the house. In the modeling that we do, um, I realize on a Sunday morning or if you're out in the street, you're doing street angels or you're out and about and you're faced with, the situation, this could be a little different. But we don't encourage direct confrontation with demons um, if, if the person is not willing to be set free. Quick story. I, I don't know if I've told this one here. I, we learned this the hard way. We were in Santa Reim, uh, Brazil, really demonic city. Anybody there with me? Terry was there with me. Yeah. We were in… Santa. Tony was there. We were in Santa Reim, really wicked city. It was just really perverse, lots of sexual immorality there. And… Uh, When we got there, there was a team of 70, Uh, I forget how many were, 20-something were with our church, and we were there to help with the deliverance side of it, but Pastor Randy at that point was kind of new in our, we decided that, you know what, why don't we just confront the strong man right off the bat? So the first night of the church meeting, we're in, the church is about 3,000 people. We're in the church, Um, we had been told of all the immorality, the 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 festivals that were going on actually were canceled due to rain which we prayed down on but there was such a perverted immoral incestuous raping spirit in that when you'd go to even pray for a woman she would pull back if a man was praying for her there was such a it was really wicked and you could sense as soon as we got off the plane every one of my team members like what did we just fly into here right and so we decided, well, let's just take care of that right off the bat and then we'll have some really great meetings. And so the first night, worship's going on. Randy gets up and he says, I want to take authority now over the spirit of immorality, witchcraft, perversion, no preparation, no talking of the gospel, no salvation message. Just confront the enemy. And about a third of the church, as soon as he finished that prayer confronting the darkness, light came in, boom, boom. And people were rolling on the floor, vomiting, hair going. I mean, my team looked at me like, and I said, just do triage. The ones that are trying to hurt themselves, run into walls. We had one guy try to throw himself off the building. I said, triage. That's all we can do right now. and We'll figure out where to go from here, right? And so we end up doing ministry that night. And we, after, our after action report on that is, that's probably not the best way to win this war, light will overpower darkness, but there'll be intimidation that will come in from the darkness as, as a way of resisting the deliverance. So when you can find the strong man, so when, you're, when we start the interview process of breaking free, you're actually asking the Lord, show me the demonic controlling spirits that are involved. And then once you break that down through confession and forgiveness, it is, it is an easy Next step after that, we'll get to the bottom of that. So I want you to see that uh, what Jesus was telling us in that number two there is tie up the strong man, then you can plunder his house. Well, it's not really easy to tie up the man when he's standing there fully armed and raided, but if you can disarm him and make him weak, then you just go tie him up and take care of the rest of the business, right? I want you to see that biblically so when we get into the model, it'll make more sense. All right, here's the other thing we warn people with. You'll notice in our protocol, we're going to, we share this, in our protocol, if we were praying and someone got uh, tormented in the midst of a de- uh, prayer time, we would not do the deliverance that night. We would escort that person, we would shut it down, our ministry team is trained, shut that down, escort the person or carry the person to a quiet place, bring back the human personality and talk to them, and explain to them. You realize that you've been come under some form of influence of darkness. They, they may say, no, I, I didn't even know that, or what happened to me, and they're, are you willing? Once they say they're willing, then we set them up for uh, prayer ministry. And so, some ministries will dive right into it. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV stuff where they'll just do it there. It's, oh, I don't want to judge them. It, it looks showy, and I just don't like it. It's not our protocol. Okay. So, Jesus says, tie up the strong man and then be careful, however, that if that person doesn't realize what just happened, you have authority in Jesus' name by the mandate to cast that demon out. That demon could leave. But if that person doesn't engage their will or change their behavior, they can become reinfested with seven worse. And we've seen experiences where people open doors again and they are in a much worse place. So, This whole teaching that Jesus did on deliverance is very foundational and it's very, we try to follow it as carefully as we can. So, I warn people, this is not some kind of, you know, game that we're playing. This is, you're dealing with some darkness here and you need to be willing to engage and change your behavior. All right. Um, Part of the mandate in G there is Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I've done. Did he cast out demons? Did he raise the dead? yeah he did all that so therefore we're supposed to do greater works that's always challenging uh, he also said what his his one of his job descriptions was to uh do John first John three eight which is to come and destroy the works of the devil so I need you to help in the destroying the works of the devil okay Jesus did de- uh, deliverance and he commanded his disciples if you look at their Mark 1.34, he said, Jesus cast out many demons, and they knew who he was, and he told them to be quiet. He gave them power. Exousia, Mark 3.11, he gave them power to cast out demons. Jesus prays more than once. You might say, well, what if I pray for someone who's tormented and nothing happens? Keep praying. There's an example there where Jesus prayed for legion more than once. He prayed for the blind guy more than once. That's Jesus. We're not Jesus. So therefore, don't be discouraged if you're praying and nothing's happening. I think it was Leif said when he was praying for the wheelchair lady uh, Saturday night, he said they prayed four times, nothing was happening. And then one little thing happened, right? And then just the progression of that. So don't be discouraged if you, well, I don't have authority because they're not listening to me. No, you're in good company. Jesus prayed more than once. Some of these are, require prayer and fasting. Number five there, the example of that is in Mark 9, the same one where Jesus cast the demon out of the boy and the disciples could not. And Jesus tells them there are different levels of darkness. If you've, if you've been involved in praying for someone who's been in the occult, either a, a family member who's in the occult or they themselves have been in the occult, been to medium psychics, been part of uh, blood sacrifices, you're gonna end up with a different level of darkness as opposed to ground level warfare deliverance with someone who's dabbled in something. And so Jesus says these kinds, some go out, this particular one in Mark 9, it says this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. He was telling his disciples, this is a little bit different level here. And so being fasted and prayed up in some of these, and that's why when we do prayer ministry, we fasted the day. We, we, I devote six hours on average to my deliverance sessions, prayer ministry sessions. The people, who the volunteers who join me have taken a day off from work. The person who's coming for prayer ministry has taken their day. We've already fasted a day for this. It's that important. And in the midst of it, he comes and shows up. So, again, I want to show you that the biblical basis of the prayer ministry is why it has such a, a strong effectivity. This thing about... Um, Two by two, that's a good example. We see that in Luke's gospel. He sent them out two by two. There's something about agreement. If one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. If two or three of you would agree is touching it, we'll be done for them. So when he sent them out two by two. That's a great model. We do prayer ministry two on one. Now, if you're in a, in a prayer session, it may be that you're praying singly. But if something were to happen, we got lots of help, right? Okay. All right. Praise God, I know I'm running fast. Turn to the next page, 19. The The principles for the victory are, first of all, Christ is Lord. He's Lord of all. <laughs> Righteousness, these are what I will call um, the warrior's preparation steps. If you're going to go into warfare, you're going to make certain, you ever see the movies where the, the SEAL team's getting ready, right? They got their guns, they're loading up, they got their vests on, they're doing all their stuff, right? There's preparation for it. Well, what are the preparations as the believers for doing ministry of this nature? One is declaring who He is. He, he's, he's the Lord. I can't do anything against darkness, but He can do everything. So understanding Lordship and making that declaration. Righteousness. Do not go into warfare with open doors. Not a good idea. We've, uh, I've shared some of those stories in the past. I won't do it right now. But no defilements. He tells us um, clean hands and a pure heart out of Psalm 24. If you go in, remember the example here kind of uh, really illustrates this. In Acts chapter where uh, the sons of Sceva go to do deliverance. Remember that one? The sons of Sceva, they were, they were Israeli exorcists who don't believe in Jesus but they're doing exorcisms, and that might work at a lower level, but when you come up something that's high level, um, their response to them is, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but we don't know who you are. See, they were not under the authority of the Lordship, right? And that demon beat seven of them up to the point of they're naked. <laughs> Can you imagine that deliverance session? They come home beat up naked. So how did it go? <laughs> not, not really good. <laughs> I think the demon won that one, right? What's the point? They were not under the Lordship. They didn't know their righteousness. They didn't know their authority. They didn't have the authority. The demon called it out. The demons know who you are. When Jesus walked in and cast it, they knew. He said, you need to be quiet because they knew who he was. They know who you are, and they know how much you know who you are. Man, we've been in some places that um, Leif shared it, right? When we were in Tanzania, or Jack, one of them, when we were in Tanzania, the first session... The first year that we were in Tanzania was absolutely crazy. It was demons in such a place. There was such a infested with spiritual warfare. Um, we did many, many deliverances. The next year, because the enemy had suffered so much injury to his kingdom, the next year we went... Now, of course, we came back with our stories, and the team that was going to Tanzania session two... They were so armed and dangerous. I mean, they were, if, I don't know if it's sinless, but let's just put it there. Communion, ready. We, they had heard so many stories about what was going to happen. It was like, man, we got to be really ready. We trained like crazy. We were just like, and the next, next year we're there in Moshi Town in the same place doing the same thing. Start worship. There's not one manifestation, whereas the year before, hundreds and hundreds of little children manifesting that five men are trying to control them. I'm like, what the heck? And the team was with us going, I thought you said uh, we're going to see something here. I'm like, God, I don't understand this. What, uh... The revelation of that was the enemy knew that if he showed his face again, he was going down. And he had lost Leif said it. there was such a shift now Leif had had several hundred churches there at that time. He said there was a shift such a shift in the spiritual environment in that region after the massive deliverances that took place. We came in, did healing, uh, deliverance, spoke kingdom, and so the enemy knows, and you can't pull the wool over when when you're walking in righteousness because i've been with <laughs> we've been with team members and uh The demon will also say, oh, you can talk to me. You're so involved in pornography to one of my team members. Like, oh, wow. Might want to deal with that before we do any more ministry. (laughs) So dealing with the defilements and dealing with any of the issues that might not be um, what we want going forward against standing against wickedness. So these are the principles. All right. You ready? So now you're all grounded, right? I know that was fast, but I want to get right into the next page. Any quick questions on any of that? It's pretty foundational scripturally. I'd like you to, you know, look at that. But I, I really want to get into, um, okay, so what is a methodology? What's the toolbox for doing an inner healing prayer ministry? And I want to lay the foundation for you on that. And then I just encourage you, if you'd like to be part of that, get trained. See Pastor Terry. We'll set up a session. We usually do them uh, Sunday mornings, an hour before church. We do four of those. And then come have your own prayer ministry, and then come and sit in on a prayer ministry. That's usually the best way to do it. And if it works for you, your ministry is successful, you'll be more wanting to do inner healing. And after you've done about a half a dozen prayer ministries, it'll start to become, oh. Okay, ready? So the first page is really summary of, of a lot of what we've already spoken about. I do want you to see on the, b- turn the second page, the first part is a summary. So turn to the second page where it says protection promised, and then at the bottom it says methods for warfare. See that? Okay. I want you to see, I've listed, okay, page two. Yep, I'm in the second handout, sorry. Second handout. And I'm down on the, turn the page over, and it says, Methods of Warfare. Um, I want you to see, the method of the warfare is what we didn't do in Santa We should have laid a foundation of give the salvation message. Teach the message of salvation, good news. What are you doing? You're kind of lobbing in the artillery. It's like, oh, it's awareness. I need to be saved. I need, because deliverance is never done. You should never do deliverance on an unsaved person. I say never, that's pretty strong, but I I feel pretty strong about it. That if you try to deliverance on an unsaved person, you immediately open that person up for seven worse, And that's just not right. It's not biblically trained that way. And so, when you look at what's the first foundation method of warfare, a person should be saved. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. Forgiveness, Matthew 6, 15. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. One of the ways you tie up the strong man is, is you ask the person, where do you have unforgiveness? Who's hurt you? Who's wounded you? As soon as they start saying, I need to forgive my father, my mother, my spouse, my boss, you, you'll, you know, it'll get there, right? Why? Why do you need to forgive them? And they start to tell you what occurred. And so this method of warfare is forgiveness and then confession. Once they start to confess, we know what James says. James 5 says, if the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much... Um, if anyone's suffering among you, let him call for the elders of the church, let him anoint with oil. The prayer of that's offered in faith will heal the sick. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. So there's something about confession and forgiveness that absolutely does damage to the dark world. Why? Because it's rooted in love. And he can't stand love, he can't operate in love, right? So that progression, and then once there's been salvation, forgiveness, confession, Holy Spirit needs to lead us, give us inspiration, both on the giftings and the empowerment to the person. And once they've been saved and they're confessed and forgiven, they're generally wide open as a vessel to be filled. And then you give them instruction about walking out in holiness. So those are really um, what I'll call the progression of the model that we're after. There's are simple couple steps. Person better be saved. They need to have forgiveness. They need to confess their stuff. They need to want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they got to walk this out. That's a simple model. What every one of us would say, yeah, that's that's good. Okay, turn to the tree, the tree diagram. Um, Many of you see this before, so again, I'll hit it fast. When a person comes walking into, before you, and they start describing, usually if you're on the prayer line, or you're in a prayer ministry session, or it could be the neighbor across the fence. My life is really hard right now. And they start to tell you the fruit or the damage that's hanging on their tree system. I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. I am hopeless. I'm suicidal. I'm so angry. I'm rageful. I just want to... Well, when they start telling you that their soul, their mind, will, and emotion stuff is carrying that on the tree. Th- what they're saying is, I need help, and I'm being driven by a belief system or a root system that is not true. I love what Leif said. I think it was Leif, he said, it may be true, but it's not the truth. Um, When someone comes in and they've been sexually abused, molested, just it'd be crazy to say that didn't happen to you you and you just get over it. No, that happened. There's a wounded soul. They've been violated. That's true. It's not untrue. It's true. But it's not the truth about who you are. And when the devil gets us to draw a line on those dots that occurred that were true, and he gets us to say, I deserve abuse. I'm a loser. God's out to get me. He hates me. I can never make it. I'm hopeless. I'll never amount to anything. Those are untruths. And what we're after in prayer ministry is they will come in when, when the prostitute dancer comes to my office, drug addicted, a, a DSS is about to take her two children, and she goes, I don't even know how I got here. I'm such a, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a, I'm an immoral woman. I said, okay, those are true statements that you've, you've walked in open doors that have got you here. But that's not your identity in Christ. You can be free of that if you let God come in. Oh, I don't know. Well, let's, let's unpack that. So you got to go back. How did this thing, you know, it's way back here that a lot of those seeds of untruths were planted. In prayer ministry, we're asking for the Holy Spirit to show us what is believed that is not true. Proverbs 23 says, as a person believes in their heart, so it is whether it's true or false, or whether it's untrue. it could be partially true. If you've dabbled in sin patterns or you've grown up in an ungodly environment, things have happened in your environment that have formulated what you believe to be true. But it is not the truth about who you are right? And what prayer ministry really is, it's not about the darkness and demons and all, because once you've really set the groundwork of salvation, confession, deliverance, I mean, uh, forgiveness, that strong man is bound up. And at that point, it's really, it's really very minor manifestations. They occur occasionally, but we're really after the most important thing, it's the truth that sets you free, So look at these roots on the bottom there on the left. These are roots of unbelief. Oftentimes, again, there's so many you could add to this. They're just examples. I'm really unworthy and I'm unloved. I'm so guilty and ashamed. You don't know what I've done, Pastor. Nobody can really help me because nobody likes me. That's rejection. That's fear failure. But I'm a loser. And you know what? Life is really painful. I just want to end it all. I just want to get high all the time because I can't, I can't stand the pain. And I really hate myself. And God couldn't care about me. Couldn't possibly forgive me for all that I've done. He really, I deserve punishment. When you hear those kind of things, those examples, first of all, you know, Scripture that doesn't light up with any truth, right? And so, but, but when they come in carrying that, remember Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So when they come in and they say there will be no here's where I am I'm depressed I'm sad I'm, I'm suicidal I'm so lonely I'm afraid I'll... okay that's hanging on your tree but let's let's dig down to the roots how did that how did that manifest how did that root system feed that tell me what the root is to that so tell me how do you start with that and I got to tell you once you spend 6 or 7 hours the longest I've ever done is a 13 hour one once you spend that many hours with someone, asking them to tell you about their life, they absolutely feel loved. There's no condemnation. You're not out to judge them. You're honestly trying to hear them in compassion. Tell me, tell me your story. How did you get so hurt? And yeah, that listening. I've had people tell me. I, I've never told. A human being, the things I've told you. Now that is pretty sacred. I got to tell you, that is a that is a sacred trust. You don't go run your mouth off to anybody else or no, this is this is a private. you've been in you've been privileged to have another person's wounds be put in your hands as the healer of the one who is. And I'm telling you that's sacred. And so we're after in prayer ministry, because when they come, when the broken and the lost come, which is Isaiah 61, which is what we pray for, we're supposed to be a hospital, we're supposed to be a temple, we're supposed to be, right? When they come, you got to know, well, what do I do with this very wounded person? It's not just love, love, love. It's, yes, it's love, but how do I love? Talk to me about how you got so hurt. And so, once that starts happening, you'll start to look at um, what is the truth that counters the lie? Or what is the truth that overdoes the truth that has happened that you believe to be true? And once that happens, you start to move in this direction where you replace, we actually renounce the lie, and we replace it with some of the stuff that's on the right, which is the roots of truth, where Jesus is the way. You don't have to have all the answers. I like that. Um, Life in itself is in Christ. Let Let me get to the bottom of some of these you're not guilty and ashamed. When person says, I can't tell you what I did, it's, I'm too ashamed of that. I said, wait a second. There's a scripture that says in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You just prayed the prayer of salvation. You're in Christ. If you'll confess that, 1 John 1.9 says, if I confess my sin, He's faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. Therefore, if you confess it, there is no unrighteousness in you. The blood of Jesus that's so royal that we've overcome the enemy with has blotted it out. He can't see your sin. That can't be possible. It's, it's illegal for you to say it's, it's not possible. How can it be possible for everybody else but not you? It's that, that's a lie. And it's like light bulbs go on, right? It's like, whoa. Right? And so once we start down that direction, we then start to ask the Lord to replace the fruit, and we'll pray through that. Turn to the next page. Okay. So, here we are. Lord help me. Um, we get a contact that says, I want to go to prayer ministry. What will happen is, we'll tell them, we'll send you the journal. The first thing, so I, I like this about two weeks in advance, if possible, or even longer. You get the journal, and you'll notice on the journal page, page four there, it's, um, we'd like you to do the following things. There's actually a couple of pages of preparation in this. First of all, set aside some daily time. So we, t- we pray with them on the phone, or we pray with them and say, we ask the Lord to protect you in the midst of this and give you revelation. So now, here's your preparation. We'd like you to go and read these scriptures, which will help set up some of the foundation about, about what you're about to go through, which talks about confession and choosing to forgive, even if you don't want to forgive. That's a choice. We then... Tell them daily you need to set away t- a some so- time for you to be with the Holy Spirit. James 1.6 says, if a person lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who will share liberally with them, right? So that person, we said, look, sit down and ask the Holy Spirit, pray, Lord, who do I need to forgive? And they'll, make, they'll generate a list of all the people that need to be on that list. I have great stories of people that they hadn't seen in 30 years that they ran into and that was big on their list, or they have a dream, or they remember an event, or someone that reminds them of somebody else, and that, what the Holy Spirit is doing is prompting that person to, that's a pretty big item. Some of them are real obvious, the ones that have really wounded you are like on the top of the list. The go-no-go the no, go on this one is if you are worshiping, and it was like one of these days where the Holy Spirit is like, oh, and that person were to come and stand next to you in worship, and you lose your worship, then you need to put them on the list, right? It's not really forgiven. You may There's another onion layer on that, right? And so it still stinks, and we need to work on that. Okay, so if you look at that preparing the forgiveness and confession list, um, they'll come into the journal. So we tell them, take your journal and look through. Here's some triggers. If you look at the page five there, on your confession list, you might think about, the forgiveness list is anybody who's wounded you, and that usually start with mother, father, brother, sister, spouse, workers, boss, teachers, coaches. Uh, just go down your list. You could start chronologically as a child, or you could start from the biggies that are right now, right? And just work on the list. Then the confession list is, what, what do you want? Have you ever been in false belief? Ever doubted? Ever anti-Christ stuff? Ever been in, in witchcraft, the occult, new age, done horoscopes? Harry Potter, psychics, we we'll give you some scripture on that, ever done drugs, alcohol, been drunk, been addicted to anything, or had idolatry to food, money, or hobbies, immorality, abuse, movies, death music, books, any form of bondages, what, what do you fear, what are your anxious thoughts about? How about near deaths, ever been involved in abortion, attempted suicides? an accident that nearly killed you or something you witnessed that would have caused you to be really tormented. And then so what we're asking the Holy Spirit, that's why it needs to be prayed over because this will dig up some stuff. When you start putting on, a, if, if you've ever, you know, a, a, a rape victim or a person that's been molested, um, someone who's had a child murdered, it's going to trigger some stuff in you that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm well seated. I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me to deal with, I'm, I'm choosing to forgive, even though the flesh side of you might want to do something else, I'm in the spirit realm, right? And so they'll come in, and, and I have had it where, usually it's the guys, the guys, will, some guys will come in with one page, they'll actually come in with a journal page and stuff written on the margin, right? And then most, I, I, I remember a lady came in one time, I'm not exaggerating, she had 40 single-spaced pages of all the people that had ever wounded her, 40, I'm not exaggerating, 40 pages. She had it down to first grade, Mrs. So-and-so and the three girls in my kindergarten class that reject. I'm like, I can't even remember the teacher's names, let alone, wow. What does that tell you? There was a spirit of rejection that operated in her life that she believed she would be rejected, and that was the strong man. became really obvious after a little bit, and so they come in already in the Holy Spirit working on their list, right? Okay, so they bring their journals in. We tell them to bring those to them. Don't share them with anybody. And here we go for the model. Are you ready? Okay, the model is on page six. It says, Destiny Model Procedures. Got it? Now, my wife looked at this this morning and says, oh boy, that's really complicated. I said, well, I guess it does look a little comp- but. If you break it down really simple, um, you, you come together, there's you and your prayer partner and the person that's receiving ministry, you're in a quiet place, you're prepared and they're prepared, they come in with their journal, they're already stirred up, a little, there's a little like, I'm going to go in there and tell these people about myself. <laughs> right? So that can be anxious, I remember, uh, we're not supposed to be anxious, but you could be. Um, it's a little uncovering, it's going to go in and share your secrets, Right? And then, let alone tell people about your sin, which is another, I'm okay telling Jesus, but this whole thing, but guess what? That's a different scripture. 1 John 1 9 is different than James 5. Confessing your sins one to another that you might be sozoed, healed, saved, and delivered is different than confess your sins to Christ, who will forgive you from all unrighteousness. Jesus doesn't need any help from me or you on the blood washing away a person's sin, but he mandated it when he told the disciples, who sins you forgive will be forgiven. What? And he says, and then he breathed on them. And something about this time when I come and I confess my stuff, I actually get freed up from the very thing that's got me wounded. And so that's James 5. And so there's this thing where they come in, and so the first thing you do, you sit down, and you're, you're welcome then, everything's fine. You're up here at the prayer line. Hey, how are you? Things good? Yeah. No. Oh, Okay. Compassion starts running. What do you do? Let's pray. So you take and cover now as the lead of the ministry and your support, the two warriors together, you cover the time. Picture this. I, I like this picture. I'm a picture guy. You notice that from the both Palm Sunday and the resurrection. I like to show movies because I get it, right? And so there's this there's this place. If you think about it, we're about ready. The person has just come in. They've got heart damage. They've got a damaged heart. There's a blockage. Something is wrong in their heart. They believe that something, they're here and they're wounded. And we're going to ask the Lord to do open heart surgery. I want you to seal the room, Lord. This is now an operating room. All myself and my prayer partner are, the gloves on your hand. You're going to crack this person open, and you're going to go in there, and you're going to look to find out if it needs a stint or it needs to have a wiring redo, so this heart is no longer blocked or damaged, and you're going to entrust us to be able to do it, therefore we've got to go into this room with clean hands and pure hearts. We can't bring contamination into the operating room. We have to be prepared for that, and so, Lord, I ask you to seal this room. You come now with your angelic covering. We call on the angels to come. We ask that you would take authority over everything the enemy would try to This person can't be hurt in the process. We can't be injured in the process. So we bind every foul and unclean spirit that would try to manipulate, control, coerce, divert. No power is given. We have authority over the darkness now. In Jesus' name. You set the tone in the operating room. And so that team covering is led by the minister with authority to bind spirits to cover the team, cover our families. It's not okay if we don't do this. We've had experiences. There'll be a car accident. A family friend will have. Somebody needs the phone call. You got to take this phone call right now. No, I can't I'm in the middle of this. I'm telling you, if you'll cover every aspect of this, you'll be protected in the midst of it. We asked the team member, myself, and I, Lord we don't want to bring any any contaminated defilements in, so would you wash us right now? Any thoughts, sins of omission, commission? Lord, would you cleanse us right now so this person has no defilements? We don't bring any of our stuff in the midst of this. This kind of drops a blanket of just a washed vessel. It's a heart prayer. So that's step one. Now, I just told you that we don't want to minister to someone who's not saved, not good. Well, people come in. Yeah, I'm Catholic. Yeah, I was baptized when I was little. Yeah, oh yeah, I've known Jesus. That's awesome. How about we pray together? We pray, we lead them in the salvation prayer. I've listed it there in, in 1 John. They cannot pray that Jesus Christ died and came in the flesh as a human, as a person, God, God in the God man, if they're not born again. We've had them stop dead in their tracks, can't speak it. So you don't want to embarrass them. Oh, yeah, been, that's awesome. Well, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are my Savior. I know that you came and you died for me, that you gave your life for me, that, that you are my Lord, my Savior, my healer, my deliverer, that you came in the flesh for me. Just, you just, walk, just repeat after me. And like, you'll find, okay, good. They are in the family. Important step that you don't want to miss because, again, Jesus said that deliverance is the children's bread. They need to be a child of God, right? And if you don't, if they're not saved, at the end of this thing, you open them up to a whole bunch of other stuff. Okay, moving right along. I usually ask them, number three there, I said, so you obviously have come here for something. If you could reach out right now to Jesus and ask him to do something for you, what would it be? What, why are you here? Well, my family, I, I just want to get closer to Jesus. I don't want to be tormented anymore. I'm so sick of it. I can't stand. Oh, so the desire of your heart. What did he say in Psalm 37? Trust the Lord and do good. He'll give you the desire of your heart. You have not because you ask not. So we ask the person, tell us your deep desire here. When you're all done with today, what did you, what did you want the Lord to do? And then we come into agreement with that prayer of desire. And it seals it. It's like, wow. Sometimes you get some really insightful things on it as well. We also warn them about this is not something you just do haphazardly. We warn them about the Matthew 12. If you go out of here and you, I've had guys who come in and say, well, you know, I'm about ready to lose my job. I'm, I want to be a functional alcoholic. I want to be able to work and drink. Uh, sorry, you're not having any ministry. <laughs> you know, because why? It's. You're either in or you're not. He's either Lord or he's not at all, right? And you can't dabble in this thing. It's it's a total surrender. Part we remember Luke, what we said in Luke uh, 14, who are the true disciples? And so we tell them, look, th- 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 this is either all or nothing. And if you can't get there, then I've had one. Uh, we usually we have to stop about two ministries a year from several hundred that we do. Um, they'll come in, there prepared. We, we either we didn't catch us say. Well, no, I, I want to still be able to live with my boyfriend. No, um, that's not going to work. Um, you can't do that. One of you have got to move out or you've got to figure out something else because we can't do this ministry and then have you go back into fornication. It'll open you up. To st- so some of that gets pretty raw if you're not careful. So you want to prepare them in advance. You might know their lifestyle or why are you coming from ministry and all right, moving on. So we provide that warning in number three. Then we just start down the list. You have your list of, did you bring your journal? Yes, I brought my journal. And when you were doing your forgiveness list, did, did something come forward? Yeah, I had a dream. Or sometimes it's pretty raw. It's like, you know, people that are on their list that are the deep reason as to why they're so tormented. It's that person of that they really have. That is one of the opening events that has caused them to be so tormented. They'll share that with you, or they'll share multiples. Um, so, I'll use an example here in a minute. So, where we, we start that. Who do you want to forgive? Now, I want you to turn to the last page. Um, you know me, as an engineer, we got to have a way to book it, right? We've got we to have our records. <laughs> This is just how I keep records. This is my example. This last page, it says, destiny, model of administration. I just take a blank piece of paper, and I draw the lines, and I put soul ties, generational curses and sin, family history, people to forgive, and then I list on the left side, what is the spirit behind what I just heard? So let's say the person comes in and says, I am just so angry. I am so rageful. My husband just continues to berate me, and I'm so angry. I just, I just wish he would die. I'm sorry, but I've, I've, am I'm so ashamed. What's the spirit behind that? Murdering spirit. So you might start listing over here: anger, rage, bitterness, resentment, abuse. The spirit behind what you just heard, circumstantially. There is a spirit that's behind it that is now manifested in, I need escape, I got to get relief, I want God to kill him. That's not a great prayer, but it's true, right? It's how she's, this is how this person is right now. And so, so we're keeping track of what What are you hearing in the spirit realm behind the natural realm of what you just heard, right? Then um, we're, we're also, well, the, He's just like his father. His father was so abusive and angry, used to beat his mother. No wonder he's like that. Hmm. Go up there on the list that says family history or sins of iniquity and start listening. Exodus 20 verse 5 says the sins of the father visits to the third and fourth generation. So you start writing down, this is a sin pattern that's coming down through the family line. Abuse, anger, rage, manipulation, control. What's the spirit behind what you just heard, right? He's just like his father. Well, that's also a curse. You just declared a curse over the husband that he's going to be just like his father who's an abuser. We know there's life and death in the tongue. So you might come down here and write under curses. that that, um, This was actually someone I did ministry on. It says, the lies there were, uh, if you look at the lie, it says, I'll never provide for myself and my family. What's the spirit behind that? See the one there that says, I can't provide for myself and my family? Would that be a poverty spirit? Right? I can't, I, I can't provide. Um, I fail at everything. That's rejection, fear of failure. I'm a loser. So that, that insecurity, fear of failure. Vows, I'll never amount to anything. My father told me that from when I was little. I'll never amount to anything. Well, that's a vow. It's actually a curse over you as well. So what, what we're asking the Lord to do is you're th- you've got your Holy Spirit hat on. You're hearing the, evan- the, the events that happened in the natural, but you are translating the spiritual realm. That's the Holy Spirit leading, right, in the gifting of wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. You pray for that on, in the beginning that the Holy Spirit will lift. Give Okay, back to your page there. Just keep, keep, kind of keep that in mind. So where are we? So the person's going down the list of who do I need to forgive. And usually I spend about 80% of the time in the forgiveness list and about 20% of the time in the confession list, just the way it works out. Usually lots of the hurts and wounds are the people who have hurt me. Now, it may manifest, you know, in, in, for example, and let me use the example of the abuser husband. I need to forgive him, but I need to now confess that I want him to die, that I don't... Um, I have anger and hatred in my life. So she's forgiving the husband, but she's also confessing what's manifested out of that hatred and anger, right? Okay, so we see this in, in the way that the progression of this thing, you're working through the progression, you're listening, listening for generational curses, so that's just a lot of verbiage around what you're trying to do in the spirit realm as you're hearing in the natural realm. Then you get to the confession. Well, what would you like to confess? I guess I should confess that I want my husband to die. Yeah. You don't really want that, right? Well, <laughs> okay. You don't have to want to. You just will to. And so we're discerning spirits again that are in operation there. Then we um, we get to the place where they've exhausted their confession and forgiveness list. You've also... Got this whole list of that sounds like a curse, um, that sounds like a vow. They may share generationally. Yeah, we have a lot of homosexuality in our family line. We have a lot of addiction in our family line. We've had secret societies in our family line. Yes, my grandmother was a was a witch involved in uh, in a Wiccan. Okay, so there therefore you start listening to what's in the generational line that's allowed visitation of destruction on that family, and. You've booked all that. So at that point, you've now listened to the soul ties. You've listened to the generational stuff. And we're at the place where you've got a pretty good list. And you'll start to see emerging from those wounds and from the confession, you'll start to see there's a strong pattern here. In the case there, it was anger and rage and bitterness and unforgiveness and the strong man of a murdering spirit. Once the murdering spirit manifests there's no reason that person would not have a self-murdering spirit of lo- of so helpless and so overcome she wants to kill herself. That murdering spirit now turned inwards from depression and suicide, I just want to self-murder myself as an escape, a form of escapism. And so you start listening to the pattern saying, "Okay, you, you you may sometimes it's not clear but often it is. It starts to become very clear." And Usually, if there's multiple spirits, sisters of spirits run together. Anger, rage, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, they run together as sisters. Morality spirits, lust, seduction, rape, uh, perversion, they run together as sisters. Could be brothers, too. I'm not trying to be sexist. But, you know, one of the they're bad, they're bad, okay? They run together, right? And so, once you start to see a pattern of that, um, you'll start to see the strong spirit that's there. Once you've identified that, then the next step is, okay, would you like to forgive? They just told us, what they're, would you like to forgive that person? No. So, well, will you? Yes, I will too. Okay. And then we're very deliberate. This is where we shift from the nice, friendly, tell-me-your-life sad story to clinically, I need you now to identify, I choose to forgive my husband for the abuse and the cursing and the drunkenness. And it usually it starts, because what you're doing is you're picking the picture up in front of them, and there's a real catharsis that starts to take place in the spirit realm. They start to confess. They, You may have to help them. Would you like to forgive your husband for the time that he threw you up against the wall? He pulled your head. He said he was going to kill you if you told anybody about it. Yeah, I do. And I smashed the image of that so it loses its power over you. And all of a sudden, it's like they start down this pathway. And so you are walking them through a forgiveness list that you've now kept in your booking over here. And you get to, is there anything else about your husband? No, I think that's all it. Okay, what about his father? Oh, <sighs> all right? So, so you're helping them, and you're being very deliberate in closing all the doors of unforgiveness, because Jesus said, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you don't, you won't be forgiven. And we're after unforgiveness, because that ties up, right? Forgiveness ties up the the strong man. So, we're being as thorough as we know. We get down to, we go through all the lists of who you need to forgive, and you make them say it, look out. There's life and death in your tongue, and you will have what you say. Everything is established by two or three witnesses. The two witnesses are listening. What you're telling heaven, I make a decision to forgive this person who's wounded me, and we say yes and amen, and it is declared in heaven as done. And then so that process continues until the confession list is com- uh, the forgiveness list is complete, and then we say well. Lord, is there anything else? Anyone else sh- that this person needs to forgive? Sometimes they say, "Oh yeah, mm. yeah," and they'll tell you, "Stay there." No, I'm clear. Okay. What about confession? Would you like to confess your anger and bitterness and that murdering spirit against your husband? Yeah. By this time, they usually they're already starting to feel lighter. It's like Ooh, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I'm feeling it right. And so. Then they go down to confession. I confess this, I confess this. And some of that may be related. How about the times of immorality, the times of drunkenness or drugs or the violence that you did or all the craziness? And they get all, we get down to that list again, which I confess my sin of X. I confess my sin of Y. I conf- and they're telling us that this is James 5. You're getting healed in the process of unloading all that baggage that person is becoming more... That's James. Confess your sins one to another. You will be sozoed, healed, saved, and delivered. It's in that process. It's like there's such a catharsis. This is that place where when you go to the Catholic priest, we're to hear those sins. That's what Jesus meant. If, you, if you'll listen to their sins, they'll be forgiven. He told the disciples, right? When he blow, blew on them, he says, the sins that, are, that you remit will be remitted. That's crazy that you would let us be a representation of that. Like, but it's in the book. Okay, once you've done confession and forgiveness, you want to shift over to generational stuff. And this is generally what I do. If you go to that last page there, we, I've, li- I've booked over here, what are the family issues, sins and iniquities? And I remind them, I said, you know, there are visitations um, that are authorized by Exodus 20. 300 years ago, your grandparents were doing some stuff you have no clue about, and so why don't we forgive The forefathers and foremothers. And I lead them through. I said, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sins, uh, my sins of my family line. I ask that you take the sword of the Spirit and cut me free from all ungodly soul ties, spiritual, physical, or emotional. I choose to forgive my forefathers and my foremothers for what they've done, doors they've opened on me. God, I pray now that you'd set me free from all ungodly soul ties, any immoral connections, any uh, emotional connections that are not holy, that you've been attachments to. I give that back, but I take back anything that was taken from me. So because I'm complete in you. You told me I could be abundant in this, right? And so we, we see the, the, the whole pattern of that is, and then we specifically renounce generational sin. I renounce anger and bitterness, resentment, immorality, divorce, uh, witchcraft. And what happens is, they've already dealt with their stuff. They've already confessed it. Now, the family line. I'm telling you, We've seen some things happen where families, once this process is, families get saved. The perpetrators get saved. I don't understand how that cloud works, but when that cloud is lifted off them, can I get an amen in that? Amen. amen. Some of you know that. Yeah. So it's like that cloud lifts and, Wow. Okay. Back to, where were we? Page, page seven. Once we've been as complete as we know there... About at that point, where are we? In the process, the Lord has opened up the chest, has found the blockage, has rewired everything, and now we need to put them all back together. The the chicken wire that they do there is like (laughs) sew it all up and put in staples and yipes, delicate process. Well, what does that look like? Lord, we ask you now to come and release the fruit of your spirit. But we can't have the fruit of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. So we have them, work, I, just, I have them repeat with me that whole Scripture in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Who can receive the Holy Spirit? Well, if evil fathers know how to give good gifts to children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him, right? That's what I shared with the lady on Saturday night. You just got to ask the Father. He said He would give us the greatest gift. So we just say, I just the the three of us together, Lord, I want that too. Here we are. (laughs) Lord, we just want to fill these vessels. Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, if the house is swept clean now, you dealt with all the confession, and the house is clean, but it's not full. You better be careful. That house has to be full of the Holy Ghost, and it has to have a no vacancy sign on the outside. No demons allowed. Right? No rats in here. No garbage allowed. So we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill this vessel. Once the vessel is full, we ask for the fruit. I specifically call out the fruits of love and joy and peace and goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithless, mercy, self-control. Lord, I ask you to just let that tree blossom now in fruit. They're going to just like walk in this. I'm a joyful person. I don't know why. I'm so happy now. It's like I feel so free. You know, you get these amazing statements. It's just awesome to be part of that. And then, Lord, I ask you also to release the gifts. Make them armed and dangerous. They need wisdom knowledge, discernment, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, helps, compassion. God, Holy Spirit lives in them in this house, and they are the living stones that Peter talks about. Therefore, they are everything that you want them to be. At the right moment, release those gifts. And so, fill them up, Lord. I have expectation they will start to be used mightily. But Lord, you wouldn't send them out in that place without warfare garments, So put on the armor. Put on the full armor, God. I pray. And we actually physically do it, right? Touch Him. Call it out. Prophetic words often fly right here. I love when that starts happening. My prayer partner starts saying something like, man, I saw this when we were praying for you. This was occurring. And it's like, it's a wonderful time. Then, what does it say? If any suffering among you, James 5, let him call for the elders of the church, let them anoint with oil in the prayer we offer. This would be a good time to pray for any sickness, any disease, any torment, any mental anguish, any, what better time? You just spent six hours with this person and they're so set up, right? Pray that, man, I have had some really wonderful things happen. Um, I remember, uh, I'll just share, Russ Hamilton was uh, my AV sound guy, he's in heaven, Right now, and uh, when he was going through his prayer ministry, he had been in a—he had been completely paralyzed in a combustion engineering uh, explosion back as a chemist days, and uh, he'd he'd had some damage to his back and compression and all that. When we got to this step of praying over him, Russ, we just pray. All of a sudden, you hear his back was aligning. You could hear the cracking of the bones. And he goes, do you hear that? I said, I do. What is it? You know, like, This is my back. Said, it was just, man. It was like, so uh, there's just high expectation. You've been called to pray. I know we've got to land this thing. All right, I'm almost done. Um, the full armor of God, pray for healing. Ask the Lord to close and seal this whole thing. Right now, whatever's been done, cut yourself free. We've been dealing, de- we've been kind of up against some ugly things, and as you said, you would re- release us from any deadly harm. So now, Lord, just wash us, cleanse us from anything that might try to attach itself to us. I don't want to go home and be tormented. I don't want to remember this garbage. I want to be free. And some of the stuff, when you've heard some of the absolutely vile, broken things, it, it'll affect you. It does sometimes for hours, sometimes days after for me. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm now used to the fact that, Lord... You gave us the opportunity in that battle so i'm not i 'm not allowing that to have total effect on me, and I just can continue and then i I share with the Lord how what a privilege it was that you would entrust such a broken and wounded family member of yours to come to us and so can I carry the wounds of another you're supposed to carry the wounds of my brother sister, right am I not my brother's keeper Yes, you are and so all right, and then just tell them, keep it, keep it closed, keep the doors closed. If you turn to the next page, the one that says, your actions following prayer ministry, I give this to the person that says, look, this is what you need to do when you walk out of here. it's a th- This is not a one-time cure. I'm all done. No, this is a daily walk. It's to walk it out. And so we encourage them to do that and then just get with the right gathering of people, prayer ministry can be followed up again if you have a particular area. So, I know I've loaded you, but I wanted you to be in a place where that's the model. We have done this model um, thousands and thousands of times, literally. I'm not exaggerating that. Um, We do probably on average, we do it every just about every Tuesday. Um, So, we do several hundred here in the U.S., for other churches, right now, most of the people come from other churches. Uh, I won't name those churches because I don't want to uncover that. But uh, I've done leadership. I've done one of the uh, churches' uh, leaders, a number of them, um, which is awesome. It's a gift. But it also this model also works if you're ever in a place where there's hundreds of potentially demonized people in front of you. If you'll follow the model. This model works on mass deliverance. I've done the most I've, I've, I've witnessed this is 4,000 people in Tanzania, several hundred in Brazil at, at a time, and so um, the process works. Why? Because it, it's not as it's not as deep when you're doing that many people. But I've done it also with churches when we do a breaking free conference session. Some of you have been with me on those, and uh, we'll do a couple hundred people at a time. And um, again, it's effective. But I prefer the one on one on twos. Questions? All ready and set to do it, John? Excuse me. Earlier, you said possession is not um, overcome through deliverance. Um, I don't Sorry, let me get to the page. I th- I th- think I might have said that a believer can't be possessed. I don't remember saying... Okay. No, deliverance... Okay, yeah, please. Deliverance is, the, is how a person gets free from possession. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I said that one of the disputes is in some of the churches, we don't need deliverance today because we're believers, that a believer can't be possessed. I agree with that. A believer can't be Possessed. But a believer can be oppressed, and so, um, j- how many of us are we all? Once we've come into the kingdom, we have no more trouble. We're not tormented or anxious anymore, right? No, we're all done. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. When you find that John, I'd be curious. If I said that, I didn't want to confuse you on that, John. Jim. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. the Jim's reiterating: They have to be a believer in order to have ministry. That's a that's a um, a protection for the one who's receiving ministry because if they're not a believer, then the house can't be filled. First, their their spirit man is not owned by the Holy Ghost and Jesus, so therefore their house is subject to be infiltrated. So. Uh, we we just if the person does not confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that He died for me came in the flesh, it's Romans ten nine and ten. Then don't do the ministry. They may still be tormented. I often tell people, Are you ready? They go, No, I'm not ready. Okay, well if you go through life and you become more tormented and you're ready, come on back. And they do sometimes. Like, Yeah, this is really bad. I I'm ready to surrender. Yeah. Okay. Good. Is that good, John? Think so. Okay. Debbie our teams go out in the street with street angels yeah and I I think we need some concise method yeah that's gonna operate on the street that is or I guess the question is I, d- underst- do do? I understand this model yep there needs to be is there a street model there needs yeah. to be a street great model. great question uh, in fact, I talked to Doug Henry the other day. He was telling me, he, he, I think it was he and Lisa had met some guy and uh, obviously was tormented by demons. I think he confirmed, he either led him to the Lord, he confirmed he was a believer. And uh, the question what Doug had is, was it right for me to cast demons out at that time? And again, if the person wants to be free, but it would be better if you gave that person insight on what do I do now? And I think they did that as well. The street model, because we do this also, when we go out and about in the street or um, we're at House of Mercy, you don't have, you know, there's not a nice quiet environment of the model, so adapt the model. What you do is, first of all, find out about salvation. You can pray for them, but I would not actively cast out demons for someone that doesn't want it to be done. Now, you'll meet a lot of people on the street that, the reason they're on the street is because they got a lot of issues, right, generally, and so... Compassion, salvation, direction. Um, where can you find help? But as far as going into a full-blown deliverance session, generally not wise to do that. There. Okay, good. Other question. Wonder if you believe, but the rest of your household doesn't. And they constantly sit around and cuss, call each other names, uh, go out and get in trouble. And, and every, everybody in the household stays mad. You know, how do, how do you fix that? How do you fix that? Whew. Anybody want to tell her how to fix that? <laughs> uh, <you don't. laughs> can, but hey, I get it. Um, prayer, first of all. You know you you're praying all the time um you model live out loud in front of them. you don't be one now yeah that that's right but but guess what in a there will come a time that they will see the fruit on your life and the fact that you're not walking through um the stuff that's happening all the stuff that's falling apart around them, the cars that don't work, the motorcycles that burn up and and all that stuff that goes on right, and pretty soon they come. Not that you don't have problems, but the way you handle the problems. The challenge for us is how do I keep my love on and how do I keep the fruit in the midst of that crazy environment? Like yeah. What? Here, here's this. Ron? And I know when it's daily family, it's, it's probably harder, but we can bind and loose. Yes, I was just about to say. Good. I know when we have family come to visit, we almost always, we yep. bind. The yep. spirits, and we lose yep. The Holy. And what a difference. Yes. We see that. Now That's that good. We I was just going to comment on that. Um, let's say that in the chaos of the house right now, there's this argument, chaos, anger, cursing. You can withdraw, and part of your prayer can be, in the name of Jesus, I just bind the spirit of chaos and anger and critical spirits, cursing. Bind that, those spirits that are operating, bind it right now. And I lose peace over my house. This is my house, right? Now, you haven't cast the demons out of the individuals, but you've set an environment. I have authority in my house, and I'm declaring what I want to see in my house. You can do that. And sometimes it's like, do it over again, do it over again, you know. actually it was it was just today um i know a child that sees in a spirit and a demon visited her for the first time and so she cast the she said to the demon leave in jesus name and the spirit didn't leave and so she asked the lord why didn't the spirit leave and he said because you didn't speak it in authority <laughs> wow what a the child got that whoa that's big see again What do you believe? The devils know what you believe. (laughs) They know who you are, right? I want to speak to that. All of my family's like that. That's why I live in this state, and they live in another state. And when I go to visit, before I get out of the car in the driveway, I am binding, and I am loosing. Other than that, I'm going to get beat, slap up, and come back in the car and have to repent. You know, it, it's, I've proven it time and time and time yeah. and time again. That's all you can do. But it works. It really works. Yeah, just keeping your love on is really, um, and praying what you want to see. I like what Bill Johnson says. Don't pray what you're seeing. You guys are always making so much noise and chaos in this house. That's not faith. But it's praying what you want to see. Lord, I'm declaring right now. i I remember one time there was... A chaos situation I was in, and I just started calling, I speak peace in the name of Jesus over this place. And the demonized guy was looking at me like, okay. It's just like, wow, that was neat. Note to self. And putting on the full armor of God so that you have that protection, and then also anointing the doors. And if you want to go through your whole house, anoint them. Just get some, any oil and just... uh If it's your house, here's a caution, Um, you have to have authority over the place that you're, I can't walk into your house and start anointing if you don't give me permission. So there is an authority level in the natural, whether it's a child, if that's your child or you're the custodian of that by state or by natural birth, then you have authority over that child who's not age of reason yet. This is your home. I remember Pat will tell you a story of one that um, this lady went, I'm going in and She started casting demons out of somebody else's house. And good Lord, in the morning, it was bad for her. So, again, knowing your authority and whose boundary of authority you're in. Okay, so if that's your house, that's your house. They're guests in your house, then have at it. But don't, sometimes when you engage that stuff, it can get a little rocky starting off. Just be consistent. Put the worship music on in the other room. Grandma, turn that off. Well, I, always ask, I always ask God to give them in front of them. <laughs> it it so Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Any other? All right, let's pray. And we'll just, Thank you for being patient. We've, we're going to pick up next week on um, equipping in the prophetic. And uh, we're going to look at some, what does this whole prophetic move look like and how can we be equipped in it as a body? So, Lord, I want to thank you, um, how you trained us. You just, your scriptures help us to see uh, methods, techniques. Uh, These were mandates. You told us to go and do these things. So, we're, I'm asking that you would impart to this house such an authority level of identity that people in our body, they know who they are in Christ. They know of their sonship, their daughtership and the ability to wield these weapons of warfare, both as a self-healing, self-cleansing, self-spiritual warfare ability, but also to bring the war to the enemy's ground so that others can find freedom in the midst of this life. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Bring dreams and visions that cut your people free from anything that might have got stirred up in the midst of this. I just speak peace over them. We pray peace over our household. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.